Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, part two from our previous discussion on identity's take on enlightenment, what happened in 2012 and why it matters to you, the difference between the pre-dual and the non-dual, how the ego is a unilistic verb rather than a dualistic noun, the hidden dualisms inside non-dual paradigms, and if that wasn't all confusing enough for you, much, much more. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, welcome forward, everybody, to this is episode 34. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. We still have things to say. And <laughs> I, 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 th- I think that thought um, probably five times a week. Yeah. Uh, uh, we still have things to talk about after almost 40 years on this dusty road yeah so. i don't know how dusty i see it as like uh it's it's like when you have a clear piece of land and you throw a bunch of seeds down and uh, it looks no. not so lush but it's on the way, it's uh, on the way. okay good as enough. Long as the birds don't eat it and the wind doesn't blow too too hard <laughs> so yeah. last uh, as i told you last time I, I titled 33 enlightenment versus mental body and soulment which is uh, a distinction I don't know if we made directly. No, here and there we did directly, but I I think it was a a, a cool distinction to because it's tricky how identity it appears to uh, make Zen and enlightenment important, but also recast it in a completely different way. Um, yes, being about he- healing of fear and um, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 really tricky to get that across the difference because there's so many similarities, but some really subtle but critical differences as well yeah let me speak to one of those that comes to my um, Mm -hmm. mind eye uh, Mm -hmm. right this moment (laughs) Uh, and that is that um, uh, it's mental body and soulment and identity because it is about losing the slavery default state of our identity our self-sense as being sourced in the mind as opposed to being sourced in the soul and this is based on the bigger picture identity, which I think our next our next series one or two again will be on sainthood. We can go into the next level on sainthood I'd also. I'd love to, yeah. Um, that uh, in between lifetimes uh, we retain a sense of self, and in in between lifetimes we have a mind uh, also that abstracts our experience even in the spirit domain. So our mind eye is part of our soul eye that pre-exists and post-exists our incarnative status in earth. And since there's a mind eye uh, inside the soul eye in between lives, there is a mind eye inside the soul eye, even here uh, as we take uh, expresses human form. Uh, and, and the fact that uh, our soul, and, and we'll get to maybe in the next um, podcast, Joseph, our soul is... Um, uh, uh, all our body is all soul, but our soul is not all body. Ah, uh, the uh, rhombus have... versus square principle again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, in that sense, um, uh, the body is the soul in expression in this domain. 
And uh, uh, but just because the body is all soul, though, doesn't mean the soul is all body. There is a soul eye, even as human beings, that is deeper, a deeper eye than the mind eye of dual, dualisms. Uh, we'll get to that distinction here today, I think. It's so, ironic there, because right there, you de-dualize mind versus true nature, like a lot of uh, Zen paradigms yes. use that term, true nature. You de-dualize that and immediately throw light on the uh, the the uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, the uh, d dissolution of the ego, which I know we're going to talk yes. about today. Yeah, exactly right. And that's why when we call it, we don't use the word enlightenment because, I mean, I was always confused in history, the age of enlightenment. I know. Uh, it's all mind. Europe, <laughs> was, was all mind, right? Um, so enlightenment has, has been used, overused in so many different ways and has been cheapened, in my opinion. You can yeah. say enlightenment about anything. So um, mental body ensoulment means our seat of consciousness moves from the mind eye by default, which we're all conditioned to, well, that's our default, um, to the soul eye. That's what happens in what's called, been formally called enlightenment. It's not about the end of self. It's about the end of the slavery to the mind eye mediated self, allowing a first opening for the soul eye to become the center of our eye-ness or our eye-sense. And that's actually, we would say to a Zen master, that's where your remaining preferences are coming from. Exactly. They're not just arising out of thin air and dissipating back into it. They're actually coming from something that has um, existence, but not substance or something Existence, like but not substance, right? Not substance relative to the energy and matter kind of definition of substance that we are saddled with. Um, and so that that's right. Um, the the disillusion dis, uh, moving from mind eye to soul eye does not mean there is no eye. Yes. <laughs> In other words, uh, the Zen track, the Eastern track, means because the eye. If you as we go back to what we said earlier, I think maybe not last week, but last time, that the point of meditation is to um, seek the seek the uh, the meditator and find that the meditator cannot be found. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again, because this is not out there in uh, in Western uh, Enlightenment uh, or Zen tracks. I've, I've never heard it that way. I've heard it once. No, I'm sorry. I have heard it once, but with a little different wording. Um, the goal of meditation is to seek the meditator, not to obliterate thoughts, not to watch thoughts. Those are means. Those are those are um, tactics yeah. that's secondary to the bigger plan. Mm -hmm. um, in, in that sense, um, uh, uh, when we meditate, we're supposed to look for the meditator and eventually find that the meditator cannot be found. Once we get close to that um, precipice, we start to, um, in an ideal um, world that, um, uh, made up of older souls, uh, you start to feel a terror of the loss of self when you start um, realizing you can't find the meditator. And that's the beginning. That's opening the door to the room of the terror of not being. So relative to the stream that we're talking about right now, I completely understand our identity completely gets why for thousands of years, uh, uh, the mind-based eye has been called an illusion but for a different reason than than that was that than the one than, than the one that was diagnosed, 
it's less real than the mind eye or the soul eye. The mind eye is less real than the soul eye, but that doesn't make making it being less real doesn't make it unreal. I know, which is it's just making me crazy today for some reason. I'm getting it on a deeper level. Like they should love that because it's that's non-dual, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they should go, oh, we've been dualistically relating to X yes. versus Y. Yes. And so this way of putting them together, and it's like no one's realer than the other, but they're both real, should yes. satisfy the metaphysics of non-dual teachings. It, it should. It should, but, that's, <laughs> but, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. Yeah. No. Um, excuse me. That, that idea is um, so elusive. How dualistic... In an exclusive um, yeah. transcendence-based Zen, as we talked about last time, or transcendence-based enlightenment paths, how dualistic it is. Anything that's exclusive is an either-or. And that's so exactly, you, then you've got to create a self-imagic, spiritualized self in order right. to fill that gap, and it's off to the races, as we often say. It puts, yes. it puts the a seeker of enlightenment in an impossible situation, because yes. they have to transcend something that's untranscendable. And Correct. then the, what they would call the ego in their paradigm uh, would have to then fabricate that, which goes against the very thing that they say they're going to do. There, there's the noose that you used to talk about, the noose of uh, traditional yes. Buddhism. It just Exactly. They, they hang themselves on the not noose of their not teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, but, but, but experientially, it seems to self-validate itself. Yeah. that whole thing you see and that's where the rub there's where the rub is because um we you can expose the faulty metaphysics fairly directly like you just did you summarized it beautifully but people who enlighten really do have a sense of a loss of self um and so they go to the place that confirms the assumption they were taught in the first place yeah, but right? if you uh, have unhealed mother issues when you're projecting your mother all over your mate, it seems really real too. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> That's it's just That's this right. more subtle, sophisticated form of it. it exactly. Um, just because the sun looks like it moves through the sky uh, <laughs> uh, doesn't mean the sun moves through the sky. Just because mm -hmm. it seems like the self is an illusion doesn't make the self as an, an illusion. Remember mm -hmm. how pre-scientific and pre-psychological um, the Eastern path is, and it's not, not been updated adequately at all to the modern mm. day, which is what identity, why it weighs in with a whole other recasting, as you said, it's a great word. So let's tackle this whole idea. Let's go to the next level with this mind eye, which we have called the ego uh, for centuries. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite um, um, uh, anecdotes, I think I've said it in another podcast, is watching a Rinpoche on a stage throw a hat down on the floor and start jumping up and down on it saying, this is the ego, kill it. This is the ego, kill it. Um, and he just, of course, while doing that, he exposed his ego doing that to his own ego. Decidedly um, dualistic. Uh, decidedly <laughs> dualistic. Um, so here, here's how identity comes in with it. So I've got to do a little prep, uh, prep, uh, um, uh, prepping for, to, to get there. Uh, there's a whole, the, the basic illusory dualism in Eastern teaching is the dualism of dualism versus non-dualism. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of teachers will say in a practical sense, there is no versus between dualism and non-dualism. And that's true after enlightenment. 
that's the sensation. <laughs> that's what they experience. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no more fight anymore because one side, but the reason there's no fight there because one side has won and the <laughs> other side has lost. Do oh, see? wow. Do you see, it, it, it's so, it, it's like when you, when you 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 adjust a lens on a on a camera for a far away um, a picture of a mountain, everything in the front right in front of you gets blurry, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same principle here. It's so obvious that that the only reason it feels like um, it's a it, non-dualism and dualism after enlightenment are um, are the there's no conflict is because one side's already won and the other side's it lost. Reminds me of that that person that you talked to many episodes ago who uh, emailed you uh, uh, following the collapse of uh, EBU 1.0. Just so uh -huh. you'll know who it is, he once said jokingly, "I'll never forget." It was so funny. He said. Yeah, there's an and. I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> Just basically oh, that's what exactly. That's what Zen and, does. Yeah, there's an and. and. This is really, this. Yeah, there's exactly no exactly right. And and, the, and one of the persons who really uh, helped me years and years ago get a foothold in Europe, um, uh, her 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 non-dual teacher explicitly said the teacher is always right. Oh dear. And the student is always wrong. Okay. Now, this was an intrinsic part of this guy's teaching. Um, now, if you if I had if ever had a chance to meet him, which I didn't, I would, you know, I would point out this glaring dualism in what he is saying there. He would an attachment say, to it. Oh, no my yeah. over attachment to yeah. it. It's always and never are yes. over attachments. How can you not get that? And he was enlightened. I mean, I, I saw uh, she told me some things he said, and I felt through her to him and mm -hmm. it, he was enlightened. But but um, he would answer, well, my expression of it is dualistic, but my embodiment of it isn't. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. man. No, no, but can you see how that follows his his truth and how self-evident it is to him? Uh -huh. uh, you see? Because he's living so, in the essence of it, but expresses it dualistically and because expression in dualism is dualistic then it somehow forgives the trespass out of the non-dual essence or something oh man <laughs> yes joseph i never put it in that phraseology that's exactly right it's uh you, they, they let themselves off the hook there um um, um uh, disintegrously well, and you just made a distinction I haven't heard you make before, which is that we can point at someone and say, yes, you're enlightened, but not mental body and soul. Yes, exactly. And oh, that, good that's, point. That's yes. new. So that we can honor, yes, you're at the yes. top of this paradigm, and Absolutely. there's all sorts of real stuff there, and it's an incomplete model. It's um, It, it hit its Peter principle um, probably five well, maybe 300 years ago, um, and now it's just been wallowing around, uh, justifying and trying to morph into a Western Western mind digestible place, which just yeah. weakens it even further. Yeah. Um, so the point here is that, um, let me repeat that, so we'll go forward again. The basic dualism, it's an existential dualism represented by a dualistic expression that we're not talking about the dualistic expression now. Um, the basic existential paradigmatic uh, dualism in uh, uh, non-dual teachings is, is duality versus non-duality. Uh, one is chock full of maya, mayic uh, substantiveness, and the other is absent 
of myic uh, self-substantiveness. You can't say, you can't say that's not a versus. One is chock full of myic dualistic substantiveness and, and uh, uh, non-duality is absent. It's the exact opposite of that. Yeah, so, at this most basic level, it's a really fundamental value system of non-dual good, dual bad. Yes, which exactly they can't right. admit because that would be too sharp a dualistic distinction. Exactly. So, what always bothers me is uh, my my particular odd kind of gift is if the metaphysics expressions and outcomes all don't resonate, something's wrong with the whole system, mm. right? So if there's a denial of this basic existential level dualism that I just said two or three times. By the time you got all the way out to enlightenment, uh, it's it's been damage in, damage out. Uh, mm -hmm. The damage starts with the denial of the existential level dualism in dualism versus non-dualism. This is not just, we're not just intellectually masturbating here, as I have been accused in the past of doing and making this. It's a fundamental, as you just said, it's a fundamental schism and defect in uh, non-dual uh, teachings. Uh, yeah, and that's a tough one. I think, I, like I spoke to you a little bit last time, because I, I, uh, I never thought you were intellectually masturbating, um, because uh, I loved the intellectualism of it before. But then mm -hmm. after my uh, non-dual illumination, and then mm -hmm. having to claw my way back into the dualism that I was transcending unconsciously mm -hmm. now I have a whole different appreciation of it because I actually had the experience and even though it was really difficult and took about a year to get even traction on returning to um, the, the the soul I was trying to leave the soul some part of me was trying to leave behind uh, yeah I, I don't know if it can really be appreciated unless you um, unless you go through something like that so to someone who would say would accuse you of intellectual masturbating, I would say, well, try losing a part of yourself out the top of your seventh chakra and clawing your way back. It becomes very real then. Yes, you have directly the experience, the direct experience um, of, of the di distinction between the tabula rasa uh, that your mind eye has been reduced to after a pure non-dual enlightenment and 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 realizing that i i didn't think my dualistic self would ever come back but it did mm. um quite rapidly in terms of uh, uh if you look at it that way within three months uh, two and a half months it, it slammed back into perspective um and so then becomes the question is why i did it am i stuck halfway between enlightenment and non non-dual enlightenment all that kind of stuff but this this is a fundamental um, schism dualism that uh, has never been fully appreciated. It's been denied innocently by the experience of younger souls who, um, in one in, in one way of saying, believe just because they experience the sun is going moving in the sky, the sun really is moving in the sky. When they say um, there's there's no one home, uh, or that they, they deny that fundamental. Uh, dualism versus non-dualism. Mm -hmm. So now that's behind us. Let's go on to ego. Um, the mm -hmm. point being here, a reason I needed to introduce that first in terms of semi-linearity with this arcana uh, that we're talking about here uh, is, is that uh, identity solves this um, a dualism versus non-dualism by, by, by introducing the idea that there's something in between 
dualism and non-dualism that changes the, the, the story completely because it's a felt experience, not an intellectualized experience where halfway between dualism and non-dualism is something, the all I can call it is unilism. Unilism. If, if that is true, if that is possibly true, then we have a, um, uh, uh, um, uh, what, what, uh, uh, not, not so much a linear, but an unfolding essence form expression. We have non-duality in this formulation as essence, unilism as form, and dualism as expression. There's a link here, and that's since there is a unilism, there's no such thing as unilism in non-dual teachings, at least traditional ones, right? And, he, and here's where ego comes in, and the whole thing that got confused when, when Buddhism moved from India to China and Japan. And that is, now let's unpack ego inside of this double context. Ego is a unilistic verb not a dualistic noun. Cool. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, the East has always, whether they intended to or not, nounified the ego and inside that nounification premise said it doesn't exist. Well, that noun doesn't exist. In its place is non-duality. That's their basic formulation, right? But mm -hmm. ego is actually a unilistic verb not a dualistic noun at all. And a best metaphor for ego is a river. Okay. Um, a river is a, a dualistic thing in one domain. It's uh, as opposed to the um, land, the, the uh, ground that's on either side of it that forms its, its flood banks, right? Um, it is a noun that way, but in, in the next level of content, the river is an, a verb. Because as so many people say, you can't stand in the same river uh, um, um, ever. Yeah. Uh, the moment you register that you're standing in uh, ankle deep in a river, the river has already changed what it was before. So there, it's an ever-changing unilism. This is the best way to get a, what a unilism is. And I offer that it uh, calling the ego a, a verb, not a noun, a unilistic verb, completely resonates with the Buddha's original teaching of the experiencer and the experience being the same thing. Can you see why that is? In other words, mm -hmm. if, if, uh, if, uh, if ego is a river that is changing every moment, right? That's because experience is changing every moment. Oh. So, so our registration of outer experience as inner experience, which we've been calling the noun ego, after it all gets through with its cathections, right? Mm -hmm. But it's cathecting every moment. It didn't just cathect right now. It's cathecting every moment and supporting previous cathections, right? Mm -hmm. So, so all that um, uh, experience, since experience is changing every moment every single moment, even if you're sitting still, you're now on your 10,144th heartbeat instead of your 10,143rd heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So who's fooling who here that there's any such thing as a noun? Now, if you call nouns an illusion, I'm right with you. Mm -hmm. Even even a static object at the atomic level is not a noun, it's a verb. At the level you of see, essence, there's no such thing the, as a noun. Yeah, exactly, at the level of essence, which is why if you call 
ego a noun and then contrast it with the essence of non-dual, it becomes an illusion or unreal. But I but do if know, you, sorry, go ahead. Finish, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I've heard Ajashanti, for example, call, refer to the ego um, as he's, he would say, well, it's better called an egoic process. And, and so uh -huh. sort of submits mm -hmm. that it is in fact a verb. But then mm -hmm. the question is like, well, what is it that you want to do with it? Yes. Because if you're trying to get rid of that process or, you know, mm -hmm. supplant it, then it's sort of like you're taking the process, drawing a circle around it, and so nounifying it, and then trying to get it out of there. And then exactly. that is still kind of like a noun. It's like a meta noun. It's a yes, good call because it, and because his picture was based, his enlightenment was based on transcendence. That's exactly mm -hmm. as predictable, right? Mm -hmm. He'll meta nounize the process, the verb. Let's say, let's go along with it. Let's agree with him and use our terminology mm -hmm. that it's a a, a, a non-dual, a unilistic, because it's not non-dual. The river is not non-dual, and a river is not strictly dual. It's unilistic. Same thing with the ego. The river of experience that's coming into us every moment creates a river out of our self-sense. Uh -huh. right? But then, of course, the river can't be Maya that needs to be transcended then. I go, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. they see the experience, the dualistic experience and the dualistic self both need to be transcended yes. rather than seeing the um, uh, unilistic aspect of the experience and the unilistic aspect of the self that are constantly co-arising. Exactly. It's this is this is a modern translation of there's no difference between the experiencer and the experience. Yeah. Right. And and identity would completely agree that that is absolutely true for the mind eye, for the mind eye, right? But um, for the soul eye, the soul eye lives as a meta unalism to the unalism of our self sense of ego. In other words, it's in our mind that the cathection dynamic occurs. It doesn't happen in the soul eyes. The soul eye has already a registratable being, individualized being, that secondarily cathects experience. That soul, our soul eyes were created at, at, at our soul birth and had an eye intrinsic, a self-aware eye intrinsic to its birth, not artificially conditioned into it by experience. And that eye, our individualized eye um, uh, is a inheritance of the individualized eye of divine being. It's a fractal mm. uh, progeny of it. So this is why um, uh, Zen and, and Eastern tracts can get away with what they've gotten away with for so many thousands of years because they deny such a personally eyed kind of divine being that that's Maya of religion, right? Yeah. Um, and so any I-ness has got to be artificially and secondarily induced, not primarily structurally present at birth. The mind eyes, the mind eye is not structurally uh, existent at birth. Uh -huh. But the soul eye but our, is. But our soul eye has, already has an eye that pre-existed our mind eye. Mm. You see? So well, yeah, which is weird because it's observable. Uh, you know, a, a, a baby is an individual, and it doesn't yes. have much of a mind eye in it. Yeah, to it, right? Yeah, right. 
So, right. I mean, you, you, yeah, you'd think that this would be kind of somewhat observable. Like, hmm, there's no mind going on there. What, were, what, would, the, what would an enlightened teacher say about the fact that the baby doesn't have a, a, any mental body? Um, well, they, they would say that it has a physical body. That's why they call it the body the mind. Body mind. Ah. Right? The body mind. They uh. reduce. It's a reductionism, a classic reductionism uh, in philosophy um, that you, they're reducing the subtle unto, to the gross. All right. Mm -hmm. um, so all there is is a mass of brain tissue. And neurobiology is their best friend now, is, is uh, Eastern esotericism's best friend, because it signs the same um, uh, agreement that our eye is nothing but um, created by the brain in response to experience. It's just not as esoterically phrased as, as the East did over 3,000 years ago, uh, 2,400, 3,000, and even in the Hindu mm -hmm. uh, tradition, right? So inside of that track, uh, uh, there, uh, we would say, if, if you said, well, look at, here's two babies, they're a year apart, you know? Um, uh, no, let's say it this way, there's two newborns. One, one is fussing and fussing and fussing endlessly, and the other one is completely sedate, right? They're both babies. They have don't have an eye yet, but these are very different beings. Um, neurobiology would come in and say, well, of course, they're, they're, they're different. They have different genetic influences. Mm. So their genes are governing how they're different. Not any soul eye behind the curtain, right? Mm. But when you remember in between lives, like I do, and not just me, a lot of people remember yeah. uh, what are in between lives. There is an I in between lives. And that's also why, to make sure the house all stays in metaphysical order, the most pure versions of Zen deny any reincarnation, design, d d d d um, uh, deny any sort of uh, soul uh, as an immortality project, a projection, because you don't want to lose the eye. Oh, I've got to believe it exists after death, right? An immortality project. Mm -hmm. Wilbur's whole picture uh, includes that uh, with a little bit of asterisk on Which that. is weird because on the way to awakening, people's third eyes tend to open and it's, it's yes. not uncommon to start remembering past lives and then that yes. has to be transcended too. Any, yeah, that's just a projection of the eye trying to lose, uh, lose losing itself. Uh, creating right. more eyes and more other lives. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh I mean, I'm laughing. This is a tragedy. I, I've cried so many thousands of moments over my lifetime at this, what we're talking about, that it's almost comical now, um, especially since 2012, which I hope we get to today, too. Sure. And how that's changed and changed the enlightenment game since. Well, I mean, for me, it's like it's easy to. Uh, laugh at the metaphysics and then you meet someone who's been meditating transcendently for 20 or 30 years and uh it's very easy to to have your heart break over that because you can you, you yeah. can feel that they've left their soul behind yes and suffering they, because of it exactly right exactly right so let's let's take one little sidestep and, and come at this the same um issue that we just argued i think pretty eloquently I um think so. If we um, do say so ourselves. If we say, we do say <laughs> our our unilistic selves, right? Um, there's another way of coming at this, uh, rather than noun verb non dualism or uh, uh, dualism versus unilism. Uh, there's another way of looking at this. Uh, if the ego is an unilistic verb, changing every moment in accordance, the mind eye uh, 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 in accordance with our experience. It's 
inexperienceability as a noun is plenty sufficient to create a terror of not being. Uh-huh. In other words, to be reduced that my sense of my default condition sense of mind I is being created every moment has no permanence. It is not a dualistic noun, just reducing it to a unilistic, constant flowing, ever changing thing is hugely disruptive to our nounified conditioned nounified ego. So another way to, to recast all this experience or experience or noun versus verb for ego, what they're experiencing in enlightenment is the inexperienceability, the impermanence of a nounified ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a lack, uh, it's, it's not the, uh, non-duality is not the ultimate state of being uh, or not being. That that impermanence is the kind of enlightenment that the Buddha had. The Buddha had never had no teaching in his in his teaching about non-duality. There was no advaya. There was no absence of um, of individualized self. It was all based on impermanency. His enlightenment was based on in that in in our modern terms recasting an identity that the ego is a unilistic verb rather than a non-dualistic dualistic I, right? That alone imparted enlightenment in his day for him. And with that version of enlightenment, pre-casting um, this whole thing in China and Japan into non-duality versus duality, he did not teach that. He just taught this, the inexperience of ego was so liberating for him liberating that it's impermanent that he didn't have to hold on and attach to anything when it's when it's when it's held as a permanent noun you've got to attach to dualistic dynamics to keep that dualistic noun in play and when you lose that and all of a sudden my ego is a river there's a whole liberation from attachment and resistance immediately in that kind of enlightenment but that kind of enlightenment creates an effusive aliveness as, a, as opposed to um, the dourness of most uh, non-dual um, teachers. Um, Adya is a bit of a, a bit of a um, uh, exception, but he's not joyfully alive. He, yeah. he, he's muted. And yeah. He's heartful, but his mm-hmm. heartfulness I haven't met you yet, um, but I hope to one day soon, Adya. Uh, your, your enlightenment is a muted aliveness. It's not a live aliveness. It's not joyfully overbrimming with um, expression of liberation. It's uh, more constrained, and you have such a big heart. Um, yeah, he does. It, it hurts me to see it muted by a transcendence-based algorithm that you unfortunately, um, went through, and I did too. I just found a way through it to the other side. Mm-hmm. So um, I, this is no, this is not any criticism. This is just a heartfelt, oh, oh, because he's such, he's, he's halfway there, um, but can't fit it, his experience in accordance with what his teachings have been in. Mm-hmm. And that's why we say non-dual masters, Joseph, they haven't lost their dualistic conditioning. They've just been reconditioned. Mm-hmm. 
They haven't been deconditioned. They've been reconditioned to their own set of dualistic principles and uh, dharmas and that say this is the this is good this is bad yeah, exactly this yeah. is re you see what i mean as long as there's a value system there's conditioning right there's exactly yeah. right um so uh the buddha and i would agree we, we would say let me put it in words here um any sense of personal authorship of experience any sense of a personal authorship of experience is only rendered inexperienceable because of its continual state of change of changingness. It's our ever changingness that is enlightenment, not because it's an illusion. Uh, the ever change. Yeah, it's like you that's uh, you can't actually experience a river. If you look closely, you'll see it changes too often. You can never experience it. And exactly so it is right. the self. Right. And, and that's why the whole non-dual picture of things, whether they realize it or not, create a boogeyman called the noun ego versus the not noun ego that has never existed in the first place. Mm -hmm. The ego as a noun has never existed in the first place. They would say, yes, we agree. That's an illusion relative to the non-dual. Yeah, but the non-duals were all I-ness goes to die. There's another way of looking at this, of, of interpreting the data, mm -hmm. another way to interpret the data mm -hmm. to see that there is an eye of soul and there is a dualistic, um, uh, enlightenable mind eye. But what happens is the mind eye doesn't disappear. The mind eye simply is, is outshined by the soul eye, which where the eye of soul, it was a structural, not a conditioned version of eye. It came out of a divinity that has an eye also. Now, we can't compare our puny soul eyes even. Well, look at it this way. The puniest of all is the mind eye. The next bigger thing, much more vast, is the soul eye. And then compared to the eye of divinity, um, you know, we're just cogs in a wheel of its um, uh, self-aware cogs mm -hmm. in its wheel. We can't even compare the eyes. But in that sense, this is where we could say an identity, sagehood, pre-dual sagehood is sainthood. How so? Because our soul eye, which is liberated from the mind eye oh. in mental body and soulment, came out of divine beings, yin divinities, pre-dual womb. I see, because the inhabitation of soul into mind eye is a sainthood movement, actually. Yes, uh -huh. but it was never, since they have to deny a substantive god, maya of religion, at least Hinduism says, well, there's a system and uh, we die and maybe we aggregate with 10 other souls who made similar choices than ours and that aggregate keeps reincarnating and then there's a new aggregate that's a little uh, less attached or resisting and then a new aggregate until finally one day you realize all aggregations are just one drop in the ocean of being uh, that contracted on itself and thinks the individual drop uh, is different than the ocean. Now, all individualism is essentially illusion in that picture. All individualism. So whether at least Zen, I like Zen better because, well, not only because it was my track, but mm -hmm. because um, it gets the job done in one life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas mm -hmm. Hinduism 
um, it says, well, uh, there's there's some sort of divine system bigger than the theater here that governs the aggregation to finally one day find itself equivalent to the ocean and the drop disappears. Wait, that sounds great. Oh, into a a a a indescribable non-dual ocean. They they could say non-dual ocean. I've heard Advaita Vedanta's call the ocean a non-dual. So the only difference between the two is Zen says it only takes one life and that's it. Lights out at death. Uh, your your mind eye is nothing but a product of your body mind right experience. Um, but at least the Hindus say, well, maybe it takes a thousand years for yours and all the other aggregate souls like yours to finally realize the same thing. Zen gets done in one life, mm -hmm. right? But that they that this that this somehow the system where reincarnation does take place, but one day ends up in the same place Zen does after one lifetime. There's got to be a divine system and intention to that whole system. Where did that intention come from? If it's totally uh, uh, well, um, impersonal. Yeah, that's right? a mystery. Is the only oh, answer they can the, give you. There, yeah. That's the mystery. Yeah, um, and so that's fine. Uh, stick with I advise stick stick with the Vedanta if that's your your um, your choice of cheese this lifetime, and stick with Zen if that is yours too. But take this in that what if um, both systems are hopelessly outdated, outdated, and what if there's another way to interpret the same experience? that non-dual masters have had for centuries recast with a different substratum and a different metastratum. You know, um, as, as a side note there, isn't it interesting how like in every realm of life, we are looking for the newest, most updated thing, you know, the next best burger and the next new iPhone and the next mm -hmm. new medical advance. But with our value systems, we're like, oh, that 2,000-year-old thing? No, that was perfect just right then. <laughs> or like how the Amish are like, oh, yeah, the amount of technology we had in 1860, that was the right amount of technology. No more. That was it. Exactly. And and, 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 and Christian, Islam, Judah, Judaic, and um, I'm always missing one. Uh, Islam, uh, Jewish, Christianity, and... Buddhism, Hinduism. Oh uh, yeah, um, uh, mass consciousness five. Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hinduism. That's the last one. Yeah. Hinduism. But Buddhism has its own Maya version of itself, uh, with all the idols and the incense and all that stuff. Yeah, we we uh, with when it comes to value systems, we're we're totally fine with no updates. But if you know yes. we don't get a new free update to our uh, phones OS yes. every eight months, we're incensed. Yes, but exactly. that we want the same. Yeah, and, and isn't that that's the problem altogether? Um, uh, beautifully summarized in one meta picture of things that we will we hold on, even those who say they are free from attachments are attached to a twenty four hundred year old Buddhist system, value system, or a four thousand five hundred year old India Advaita system, esoterically. Yeah. Um, and, and they can't change. Uh, literally, pure Zen's premises and Advaita Vedanta's pre premises cannot evolve. Roman Catholicism's picture can't evolve. It can go around the mountain um, uh, in a, a thousand different ways. Oh, now in a thousand one different ways. But it never goes higher up the ladder of consciousness. It's got to stay where it is because that's its uh, Catholicism, anyway, its its picture is tradition is immutable, 
that same with Judaism, which is yeah, basically same, the same thing. Same. Yeah, because it's like I, I, I often will say the phrase how observing how people want their outsides to change while their insides um, stay the same. They want different results without having to change anything on the inside because that's too scary. Because that exactly. would put them in the impermanence river where they saw yes. that actually they're in constant state of change if they would just allow that to happen. And, you know, that's a beautiful way to put it. And if we use that thought um, uh, right back to the Buddha, his enlightenment, his, the basis of his enlightenment was sufficient to explain all enlightened states. And it doesn't, did never needed the burden of non-duality versus duality, um, existential meta-dualism that got infected, uh, uh, grafted onto his teaching uh, when Bodhisattva um, went uh, east to both north and east to China, Japan, then Thailand, uh, and Hinayana traditions, uh, as opposed to Mahayana, Mahayana mm -hmm. traditions. So, the Buddha's imper the inexperienceability and impermanence of ego rendered it a verb. And if it's not a noun, there's nothing to obliterate. There's mm. he would say. Uh, the ego never existed in the first place. There's nothing to kill. But they would say nowadays, um, uh, see, he's talking about that, that the ego never existed. Therefore, we got to get rid of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, no, no. That's that's different. Yeah. Right. I, the same statement cast in completely antithetical um, interpretations. Yeah. What he meant by that, so let's just clear, race the board here. The Buddha, what the Buddha meant is that that there is nothing to transcend because it never existed in the first place, not because it ne never existed in the first place, but because it's a verb. It's inexperienceable as a noun. And that's the algorithm the Buddha taught as um as a, a a really practical alive kind of enlightenment if if you wind up going through 30 years in a drafty monastery avoiding carnal thoughts and watching uh, your uh, your belly button exude nothing um okay that's fine but that produces a dour like we said a dour subdued muted humanism to the enlightened um, personality and that was the exact opposite as the Buddha. He was the lion of the Shakyas, exactly as Jesus 400 and some years later was called the lion of Judah. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Um, they were the same soul in two different incarnations, right? Um, according to identity and lots of other esoteric sources also. And you see that with enlightened teachers, they tend to become more muted over time, don't they? Yeah. Some of them start pretty like Adi Da was pretty alive yeah. guy in his younger years. Oh, yeah, as long as he had his circle of sex, sex with seven circle of seven. Well, that'll keep that'll keep an older man young. Uh, going, perhaps. it will for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we talked in another um, a podcast, didn't we, Joseph? Remind me if we already talked about this. That oh, as if I remember, I'll try. <laughs> or either way, uh, he Adi Da he acquired this passion for photography mm. as he got older, right? Which we haven't which talked is, about that. Yeah. Didn't we? He he so. got so into photography, and it's not bad actually. You look at some of it; it's 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 informed by his enlightenment. But he got so attached to his photography, even though he said he wasn't. Um, he had that camera between him and mm -hmm. raw reality, 
and the and the photos he took were abstractions of experience just mm -hmm. about the most dualistic thing you can do now what why why would he get drawn to do that mm -hmm. if his enlightenment was truly was the avatar that everybody claims he was uh, Wilbur called him the most advanced consciousness ever born in the history of human ever born how would he know ever that ever born <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's ask go ask ken uh he was a devotee of his for a long yeah. time uh he got a little soured on the circle of seven women too i think but i'm not sure about and i'm also remind remember the uh john de reuter it was a trifold brochure printed on two sides and oh. we counted seven different pictures of him on it yes yes similar right. thing like why would you want seven pictures of you on a trifold brochure that's kind of a lot for someone who doesn't think doesn't exist important. yeah for some, it's a lot of pictures <laughs> of someone who doesn't exist <laughs> what wait a minute what it's the same thing with the malas in in osho's uh king kingdom you know i mean yeah all had to wear a little picture of osho the one who doesn't exist as a self what oh we wear i i confronted an uh, ex-oshoite uh, about that oh he just wanted to show us like his 98 limousines um <laughs> that excess and poverty are the same thing. He's exploding dualisms there. We, he wanted us to wear his picture to show what is not a self. And I wow. really, did, did he tell you that? No, no, just, I think my 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 meditation leader taught and said yeah, that. Yeah, well, they had to come up with something. Oh wow. God, I mean, when they, people, when they shoehorn um, uh, obviousnesses into distorted forms based in their beliefs, instead yeah. of what really is that's part of the problem we're having today in the in the uh, obliteration of semantics uh yeah semantics and reality in our language has been divorced by trumpism mm -hmm. um so no and that's another whole topic of course yeah. so the, the point being here is that both eastern and western spiritualities can be made evol evolvable but not without breaking some dishes at the base of their assumptions about reality. Uh, you can't evolve an older picture into a younger, a newer picture without breaking some eggs, making an omelet. Um, and and the, one, the assumption here that we're contravening here is the basic meta, meta dualism of non-dualism is real. Dualism is ephemera maya. One is good, one is bad. Um, that's it. Yeah, I think uh, of um, Aristotle's everything is made of earth, fire, air, and water. You yeah. know, just the idea of things mm -hmm. are made of fundamental component parts was the birth of physical science. Like, that's a really important idea. But yeah. if you are clutching it, you're never going to get the 120 plus elements on our periodic table. Oh, another great metaphor, Joseph. Um, so what identity is planting seeds for is the end, the end of 2,000 to 5,000 year old teachings about divinity or the nature of the personal self. It's um, it's saying, sorry, folks, it's been, it should have ended in the Renaissance um, to some degree, but it didn't um, in, in Europe, in the West. Um, it just became a little more uh, condensed into um, indulgence of Maya. In, in other words, picture. you want to change the one thing in people that they're the least willing to change. Um, I'm not trying to change it. Yeah. Uh, but yes. It's uh, amazing you haven't been assassinated yet. Well, the, 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 the date is early. Um, <laughs> if, if 
I'm, 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 I'm being a little actually, flip here, but it's true. No, no. Um, I have no illusions that if if identity's message got out there in any sort of influential way, my life is in danger. Yeah. I it mean, a cartoon of Muhammad got people killed. This is way bigger than that. This is saying, sorry, all of your gods are false gods in the yeah. West. And all of your not gods are false gods in the East. Yeah, and that's um, always started holy wars or serious conflict in the history of the uh, history of and, consciousness. And I, and I, I mean, I, I used to have quite a, uh, a a caustic edge to me, which I don't, I just don't have much anymore. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not um, rallying the troops to make warfare on Eastern and Western spirituality. <laughs> I'm what, whatever saying, that would look like. Yeah. Whatever that would look like. I'm simply saying, folks, stop, breathe, breathe, breathe. Um, it's time for an update. What's so threatening? If your truth is the truth, I'm a complete heretic. What do you care what I say? Mm -hmm. if, 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 if a born-again Christian says, you're going to hell, to the seventh level of hell because you've insulted my Jesus, uh, I would say, well... Um, uh, that's my problem, right? Yeah, they must be pleased about that. Yeah, aren't you happy when, when they're going <laughs> like this? I've had someone say, you're you're going uh, going to hell for what you've said. I got that once. Mm -hmm. And and I said exactly that. I said, well, why aren't you smiling? Yeah, um, I'm justice a will be served, yeah. Right, well, what's the problem? I've got the problem, you don't. Why are you threatened by my disagreement with you? Yeah. And here we come back to why this very question of, of my physical safety at some point, possibly, <laughs> yeah. I hope not, um, but that you're only threatened by a new version of your shtick if you're unsure about your version, the opposite of how it holds in people. The person who said that absolutely believed in the Bible literal, absolutely believed dinosaurs and humans uh, traded airspace and oxygen, <laughs> um, absolutely believed that the fossils were put there by the paternalistic god oh, to, to test, test our, our faith. faith yeah yeah right i mean mm -hmm. uh, this guy was absolutely sure and i offered to him very gently as best as i could at the time i had some causticity to me still um i said uh, why am i threatening to you if you're right and i'm wrong you could only be threatened by me if you're unsure of your shtick yeah now this is this would say this to a radical uh, Islam, uh, Islamist, a radical um, uh, uh, suicide bomber. Oh. Why are you threatened by the devil, the infidels? They're all going to hell. Why, you should be happy about the injustice. Why do you have to kill yourself? This is why also I, I always got when, when monks, not so much Zen monks, but um, uh, um, uh, the Dalai Lama's version of monkhood, uh, when they set themselves on fire, uh, in 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 protest of the Vietnam War. Remember when that was happening? Well, you sure. were younger. Um, they're already halfway out the self place. Setting their body mind on fire is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, but they would only do that if they already felt that their way, one way of looking at things, was the way. So they set themselves on fire in protest. It's another version of it. Reminded of that article. Remember a while back. Um there was like two conflicting sects of monks or something and they didn't have any weapons. So they were throwing typewriters at each other. Yes. Yes. Something like that. Yes. I remember that too. Yes. I remember that. So uh, wisdom of the day, that's not really attached to the, the pre-dual picture here. Um, 
uh, and that is uh, anyone who's threatened by anything you say is not sure of their their uh, worldview or else they would not be bothered by your disagreement of it. Yeah. Basic consciousness 101A. Well, and there's science for that. Uh, you know, it's called the backfire effect, which has been studied with political parties. If they expose... The University of Minnesota or Michigan did it in 2015 or so. It was fascinating. They would take registered Democrats and Republicans and then show them negative information about their party, actual facts. And then they would test to see whether it um, uh, eroded their belief in their party, left it the same, or strengthened it. And overwhelmingly, it caused them to be more strongly believing their party when it should have done the opposite. Oh, and they call boy. it the backfire effect. Reminds me of something recently happened here in California. I think it was California. It was in, it was in the news. I'm not making this up really, because um, it applies to the whole, for example, chemtrails nonsense. Oh, yeah. um, they they were installing 5G um, um, uh, equipment, which looks different than the 4G. If you looked on the on the post, the the, the telephone posts are the, uh -huh. the, the, the much more involved, mm -hmm. and um, uh, the uh, local um, uh, internet provider. Um, wanted to show its its concern for the citizens, so they the citizens were starting to call and say, "Is that five G? Is that five G?" So they got a bunch of these people who were complaining about it. Have you noticed any symptoms? Oh my God! I since those things have gone up, I know I where this is going. Dizzy. Mm -hmm. I got dizzy. I got um, nauseous. My I got brain fog. It's unbelievable. And they kind of got like a two dozen of these people who said something like that. And then um, they had an open hearing and there's an angry people who are going, you know, not, not torches the, like in the old days, but uh, get this evil 5G. And um, they let them, the, the, oh, I wish I was there. The, the guy, the people mm -hmm. were up at the front, just let them rant, rave, rant, rave, rant, rave. And then said, okay, folks, thanks. It was really helpful. And just so you know, we haven't turned it on yet. I knew it. Right? <laughs> I right? knew it. <laughs> uh, people who say about this chemtrail stuff, conspiracists, they don't know basic science. Mm -hmm. Jet air from airplanes is hot. The air temperature at 30,000 feet is cold. Mm -hmm. That heat trail forms fog in the same way fog forms when cold air mass hits hot air mass. Mm -hmm. These chemtrails are simply exhausts of jet, normal jets, not disseminating poison to poison you. I've never met a true scientist, maybe they exist, who believes in chemtrails as if you realize what kind of massive worldwide conspiracy that would be. No critical thinking. And that's yeah. the point I just want to make on that little aside there is that critical thinking is lost in both Eastern and Western um, uh, spiritual teachings. They don't have doubt about their own picture. They are over attached to it. They're so sure of it. They don't allow critical thinking, which is doubt your own picture in order. If they had doubt, there'd be doubt space for evolving, for evolution. Mm. Doubts, re evolution requires doubt space. So um, this isn't going to happen anytime soon, as we say so often. Well, uh, that might be a good entree into, if it makes sense, to, to talk about the incredibly disorienting process of... Uh, learning to experience yourself as impermanent uh, okay because you know i i, I mean I, I know the answer some of the answers inside myself about why people grip so hard to the their beliefs and why they have no doubt space but what is identity's take on that 
of why they don't have doubt space? Yeah. Um, well, it's it's uh, it's based on one of the three premises of identity, and that is we're all responsible for the contents of our unconscious, mm -hmm. right? And so all that lack of doubt space comes out of a lack of emotive food in childhood. In other words, the basic wounds in the personhood track of identity is that no one ever, no parent, um, this is not a criticism of parents, it's a criticism of parenting, mm -hmm. that no parents ever born ever gave any child ever the experience that they felt what they were feeling while they were feeling it and why they were feeling it 90% of their childhood. No one has, no child has ever been raised with that. And because of that, we we have never formed an inner emotive, emoto soulful version of I, because we were been starved of heart food, soul food, basically heart soul food mm -hmm. from the beginning, because our parents weren't soulful enough, too busy, otherwise damaged. They never did any. They didn't self authenticate before they became parents. So we produce generation after generation after generation that have to overattach to belief systems to give themselves some sort of survival identity. Um, they don't have a soulful, heartful, emoto based identity. So there's they're all coming from lack. That lack causes them to overcompensate in grab or resist, and down the tubes goes critical thinking and doubt space. Emotional mm -hmm. wounding, emotional body wounding. That's why identity offers that before you get substantively into sage track or sainthood track, um, you've got to do personhood track to create that, that lack of lack. Uh, when you go through personhood, at some point, you finally get reconstituted of what was missing in childhood um, uh, because there's an, uh, this is an emotive-based paradigm that says you're emoto-spiritual first before you're anything else, which is why even the personhood track is spiritual in identity. Yeah. So that's, that's the short answer, is that we're all emotionally wounded by default. We're all identity-less by default. Some identity lists get attracted to identity list paradigms. Some identity list people get attracted to um, overcompensating uh, uh, self paradigms. Uh, they're both equally Maya uh, from identity's point of view. Uh, transcenders and Mayas, Mayaers are absolutely I, two sides of the same uh, uh, um, illusory arc. Mm. So that's the reason why they, there's loss of critical thinking. But, but let's revisit something we didn't quite complete last time about the transcendence-based um, uh, track for, mm -hmm. for sagehood. And, and, and I'd like to put another term out there a little more definitively. Um, there's a If you focus on where thoughts, ideas, images, that which constitutes your illusory self, supposedly, and you watch them dissipate and die... You're, you're focusing on the transcended version by watching them arise, dissipate, and die, okay? They're all going into the transpersonal. But we're talking about um, pre-personal, not pre-personal in the immature way, um, not the pre-trans fallacy. This is a different cut through the same verbal pie or semantic pie, but it's a whole different domain that when you focus on where, where do they come out of, not where they dissipate into, 
you get a whole other take of what of of what what the whole mystery is here. In that sense, transcendence transcendence-based algorithms of enlightenment are always dissociative. They're always exclusive. Uh, either ors, right, wrongs, bad goods, even though they say that they don't have those dualities anymore. Whereas prescendence, I want to introduce the term prescendence, pre-dual-based um, orientation to watching where thoughts, images, and all the things that show up as a self, uh, supposedly, what do they arise out of? That's 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 what what um, we call avrashana, avrashana meditation in um, in uh, identity, as opposed to vipassana. Vipassana is a transcendental, transcendence-based. Uh, uh, avrashana is a pre-dual-based, and we have a whole exercise that's really powerful to create a disorientation really quickly um, based on pre-dual versus trans-dual. So when I say pre-sentence is associative and not and not um, dissociative, you've got to split yourself from your soul in non-dual uh, teachings because there is no soul. That's an immortality project. Whereas when you look at the pre-dual, you, you discover for the first time, and this is the reboot of the evolution of Eastern teachings, that the pre-dual is the the pre-dual womb of yin divinity out of which our soul eye, way upstream of our mind eye, was created. And so when you go, when you focus on where thoughts arise, images, feelings arise out of, you discover a whole other terrain of what is called a non-duality, only we call a pre-duality. What does duality arise out of? I've never seen the term pre-dual anywhere in all my life. Maybe it's out there um, uh, for Eastern teachings, a traditional one. It's always trans-dual, trans-dual, non-dual, not pre-dual, uh, non-dual. So that's that's a point I wanted to make. Um, and also um, uh, how one other point we didn't make last time, so I make sure it's in here, is uh, since 2012, oh, yeah. yin divinity has shifted to be the ages for the human condition. Up until 2012, um, the yang-based aspects of divine being ruled the, ruled the roost to get us to a certain survival place as a species. And now we're at a survival place where we've ruined, we're ruining the planet, uh, using up our resources, falling into old tribal camps of, uh, of, of disagreement. Uh, we have wars now held in the media instead of on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, and, and so what happened, why this is all happening is in 2012, yin divinity, finally, the divine being, maybe this was planned all along. I'm not God, so I don't know. But um, I'm interpreting the events uh, that, that our survival support ended in 2012 because divine being realizes now we've got to go with a thrival. We have evolved enough and now to the point of actually threatening ourselves, uh-oh, I guess it's time. 2012, yin divinity came into play. And when yin divinity came into play, the yin aspect, the yin source of pre-duality also began to start to infuse the substrata of our consciousnesses. Meaning the old track 
of transcendence-based um, uh, uh, enlightenment has been, uh, the plug, plug's been pulled, but like a freight train that's been running for 2,400 years, uh, say a, a, a 200 car freight train going at 60 miles an hour, you turn off the engine, how long is it gonna glide on momentum, mm -hmm. right? Same principle here. The yang-based uh, god um, stepped back and the yin-based god stepped forward and all the yang-based patriarchy and uh, old old school teachings, both east and west, have been unplugged but are on, on momentum. And that, mo that momentum only without the plug is causing all this crap that's been pushed down by yanga influences up into the surface and choking on, if we read the news every day, we choke on all this crap that's all coming out. Well, and you said that um, the survival support has given way to th thrival support, um, yes. but the, the governing dynamic of that is all of the shit coming out, not yes. suddenly, you know, sandwiches growing on trees. <laughs> things are, things are, th exactly. things are getting, uh, uh, they, they can no longer be hidden because they have to be dealt with for thrival to be possible. Exactly right. What do we have uh, in the th the three uh, enti enti entities in, in Hinduism? Uh, Brahma, Shiva, and um, Atman. Uh, no, uh, because with a V, doesn't it? Uh, Vishnu. Vishnu. Mm -hmm. uh, Vishnu is the steady state result of Brahmic um, uh, um, uh, uh, Brahmic uh, uh, as is being upset by Shivic change and evolving, creating a new steady state Vishnu. This ah. is constantly going yeah, in, yeah, yeah. evolving every moment. We're, we're in a Shiva stage where the Brahma, uh, if I can use this metaphor, the Brahma of, of a survival-based uh, dynamic of humanity's consciousness is giving way on its way to a new Vishnu of, um, of, uh, uh, of thrival. And for that to go from Brahma to Vishnu, there has to be a Shiva a stage. And we are chock in the middle. It's only been 10 years since the shift. And look at our institutions, look at our discourse, look at the mess that everything is happening. This is the swamp that was always there. But now with internet and technology, we're all aware of it every moment, every moment, every moment. Yeah. Take heart. This is a transition place to a new Vishnu. It may take another 50 or 100 years. I don't know. I hope not, because yeah. I think we'll, we'll nuke ourselves if, we, if it lasts much longer. Yeah. Um, and so what, what we're saying here is that everything about identity, all the principles of identity uh, came to me in the old Yangic state prior to 2012. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons in 2015 my my nonprofit um, collapsed is because I didn't embody yet what had shifted in 2012, and it exposed my patriarchal aspects um, and dropped them through the floor. Uh, only there was no noose um, when the floor dropped below to hang me. I fell through the ground about 20 feet and hit the ground. It's taken me seven years to figure out what happened and come out the other side. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I'd like to just put out there that all of identity's principles of that were emotional beings first, which is yinic yep. um, in its in its entirety, were conceived and offered and taught before 2012. And now all of the yin dynamics that are pushing up and undermining all the yang patriarchal dynamicals 
that have on momentum right now have been unplugged is bringing up all the swamp gas. Yeah. In other words, you were not immune to this shift. No, but I was in, I was um, not yet embodied. I couldn't embody personally my own teachings. And now I've just, I'm just on the shoreline after swimming across the ocean. I've, I've just arrived soaking wet and exhausted on the other side going, okay, I finally have my feet in embodiment a little bit. My toes are on embodiment sand. I'm not saying I'm all the way healed. I've got to keep embodying the rest of my life. But I am here now, and I just want to put out there that identity has always had, even before now, the answer to all what ails the world, but was never recognized. I was shouting into a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, what we've got here is nothing less than challenging literally 5,000 years of spiritual teachings, um, about 2,000 years of philosophical teachings, 1,500 and about 150 years of psychological teachings are all part of this swamp gas that needs rebooting. And in that sense, um, maybe I, I'd like to offer also, Bree wanted to make sure I brought this in, is that because of our unique um, take on enlightened states, uh, you know, there's a lot of enlightenment states between dualistic maya and non-dualistic tabula rasa. Sure, yeah. There's expansive-based states. There's oneness-based states. Um, uh, since 2012, the yin, yin, yin divinity's influence is causing a lot of people, mostly women, to have events uh, that dislocate their consciousness uh, Collision with the Infinite is a really good example, amazing book written by a woman. Uh, who went through a, a very a long, over a dozen years of trying to figure out what the hell happened to her, we can decode in identity, those of you who are out there not knowing how to uh, deal with some event that has happened to you that you didn't weren't even trying to create but yeah. found you, identity can help. Um, you, we have the means and the vision and some of the personnel to help you sort out what's happened. There are other people out there doing that but they're mostly old paradigm folks that are trying to help people do this, not new paradigm. And identity is a new paradigm of uh, emoto spirituality. So I wanted to make sure that was out here too, is that yeah, there's a lots of different enlightened states relative to the Maya uh, a grasp or resist uh, um, state. And uh, those all need to be addressed also if it causes you to no longer be able to do your job or be a good parent or yeah. or, or or not be able to relate to your spouse at the moment uh, these are real crises uh, uh going on in people's lives quietly because a lot of people don't want to make a big deal out of to make to be called crazy by our current paradigms right yeah i mean if you uh, have some kind of uh, awakened state and you go to a psychiatrist they're going to prescribe an antipsychotic for you probably yes it's exactly not go right. very well yeah if you certainly can't go to your uh, methodist church and get any help you can't no. go to aa or na um, you can only go to a guru I guess but um, a lot of them are not very approachable to the general public um, yeah um, so any rate, uh, if there's um, if there's some of you who listen to this podcast and you've had an event and you've either closeted it and kept it to yourself and doing the best you can do, or you've really had a dislocation in your personal life, email Joseph or I, and um, we'll see if we can and give you a hand in uh, being able to understand and integrate what's happened to you. You've certainly okay. done that for me. 
you and Brie both yeah. have helped me sort out what what was true, what wasn't true, what was left, and it's still yeah. ongoing. So yeah, jo- Joseph can attest that uh, um, that there is a, 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 a actually a solution to this. It's not easy, but there is. And last but not least, um, because of this yin divinity shift, I promise this is the last piece. Um, uh, we've noticed since 2012, uh, there were about a dozen people in our care, quote unquote, uh, that had basically not complete non-dual events, but semi-non-dual events, over a dozen. And the women who went through it, which were more than the men, um, uh, have a very had a very curious thing that Brie picked up right away. I hadn't gotten it before Brie got it. That when they were in the last throes of panic, as the pre-dual was finding them and eroding their sense of solid non-eyed dualistics mind eye self, the the few men processed that as the loss of the eye, like. Like um, that's the traditional track. Yeah, the women processed it as a lack, a loss of other. Really, not the loss of their eye, the loss of other. That's a very yinic form. That is a new form of en- of en- ensoulment, enlightened ensoulment. Um, that now we're looking at with a little more um, uh, interest, because uh, the day of like what happened to me, I, I was literally unconscious that I was unconscious for 10 to 11 minutes. Um, that day may be over. It may be mm-hmm. now with the yin divine being having running ages over our human condition, it could be a softer breath, a sigh. Uh, but there will always be some segment of terror there. And if you're a woman or a very sensitive man that has a lot of yin, um, you may experience enlightenment not as the erosion of your eye, but an erosion of everything else that your eye experiences. All right, well, let me run something by you then. Just in the last week, I was at Whole Foods with my girlfriend, and we were talking and what we we're going to get, and she just disappeared so fast, like sort of before there was like, okay, I'll meet up with you. There was just didn't do that. She just disappeared so fast while I wasn't looking at her that I was terrified for a moment that she had never existed and I had made the whole thing up. Wow. And that's not the first time I've had that experience. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Where it was like, did I just dream all of this? Does she not even exist? Is that the terror of losing other? It's the same as terror of not being, but since self and other, capital O, that which we experience are the same thing, it may be evolving here that even with men who have sufficient yin, uh-huh. as you do, as the soul species that you are, yeah. um, that you may have your event algorithmized by loss of other rather than loss of self. Isn't that oh, interesting? That's super interesting. And that's and that, of course, it speaks to the yin era where it's like yes. learning through relationality. Exactly. And it has implications around interdependence and you know, couplehood and all that, because I couldn't feel that if I didn't really love her and really want her in my life, it wouldn't bring up that terror. It would just be like, oh, whatever, she's gone. It was all yeah. a dream. I didn't care. But it, and it, it very much, it was weird because I was having a very, I don't know, 
I, w- I was going to say impersonal experience, but it wasn't really. It was just extremely meta. It was like, I don't know what the hell is true right now. Maybe she never existed. Maybe none of this exists, but I was afraid. So it was still personal. Yes. So it was personal and relational, but also with this big pre-dual meta vibe to it. Like maybe none of this is real at the same time. But I had a personal relationship to the fear that maybe it's not real. That doesn't uh, dilute the yeah. um, the uh, the the truth of this event. That she, this uh-huh. was an event, um, uh, and so this may characterize um, the way now your now that it's been course corrected, your your pre your your non dual pre dual non dual path mm-hmm. that you're on. Now that it's been course corrected and based more in the human. Um, uh, now the 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 rest of your event may uh, unfold to its completion in this loss of other way. Mm-hmm. If that happens, that's just we would offer that's just another um, unfoldment of the yin divinity shift in the way we've currently defined and experienced, not experienced, the non-experience, not experience of enlightenment would that also shed some light as to why when we uh were fighting a lot why they were so bad because it would have this extra intensity it's not just two people fighting about something but like the grip of you can't we have to connect you can't go it would explain that wouldn't it it would wow in fact um take what you experienced there in that um in that store um, and cube it and then cube it again, the way I know your beloved, um, this would be her explanation for almost every kind of um, projection problem expressed in personhood because she's losing other every yeah. moment now because she's as close as you are yeah. um, and never realized how close she was. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. We just uh, un- unpacked some <laughs> amazing new things i'm not sure what to do with it at the moment but uh that's pretty cool that we just did that on the air as it were yeah so even identity didn't predict this Mm -hmm. it's just unfolding and it's just astonishing me the things that keep unfolding keep it's not just because i have confirmation bias just because you have confirmation bias doesn't mean you're wrong it just means you got to really have a lot of critical thinking um, everything that unfolds here, just this item that the yin based beings are experiencing terror of the loss of other uh, um, mm-hmm. was that was seven years ago. Now it might be reaching men who have a lot of yin. And mm-hmm. so that that shift is completely unfoldably resonant with the metaphysics uh, of, of and teachings of identity without it being wanting to do that ahead of time. And that's exactly, it's always the unexpected in science and real science where, where beliefs don't drive it. Hypotheses drive science. Hypotheses, not truths that you already have decided on ahead of time. And then you skew your results or interpret is, your data. Which is what the pharmaceutical companies do with their science. Um, yeah. A to Z. A to Z mm-hmm. is belief-based stuff, not hypothesis-based. It's greed based stuff in the big pharma of course so um for a coda for today um we could of course do probably 33 um uh uh, podcasts on enlightenment on what's been called enlightenment alone with all the vagaries and subtleties to it 
We've just hit the high points of the subtleties a little more uh, the second half. But uh, again, um, uh, I want to announce uh, for, for the first time that um, what, what we're going to do in the near future, I'm going to create something a very different uh, called a satsanga. Uh-huh. A satsanga. Uh, everyone knows satsang or a sangha is a group of seekers all community. united by the, it's the huh? translation. Community is the translation. Yeah, community, sangha. Mm-hmm. And they do satsang with a with a satguru, with a with an enlightened teacher, right? Uh, Identity is going to be offering satsanga, which is uh, an incubation based in the yin, di- yin divinity stage that we're in of mental body and soulment in what I'm calling satsanga, that we will be able to do both in person and in um, uh, in on on Zoom. In other words, I'm taking this this one person I've been doing technically satsanga with now for uh, several months now, and I've been learning how to help someone attain whatever level of pre-dual enlightenment as possible to them this life in a very interesting way that's unfolded, and I think I can do that with a group. So um, we'll be looking for interested people in our own little small community uh, of of uh, Edenistic mania, um, <laughs> and uh, as our first satsanga uh, to um, to customize everyone's path according to their soul species, their enneagram point, their childhood wounding, and um, their spacer um, uh, way, a specific um, uh, uh, yin-based way to get you to the next stage of pre-dual enlightenment. Cool. So. Yeah. I want to just say that, and um, um, I think I'm complete for the day, Mr. Joseph, unless you yeah. can think of another rabbit hole. No, I'm still reeling from that realization, and um, yeah, that was a rich conversation, as always, Stace. Thank you. Well, bl- blame Bree for that, uh, because she noticed the shift to other rather than I before I did, and uh, she scratched her beautiful head about it, and uh and she thought maybe it was because it was they were also at the time seven years ago they were talking about the the loss of their 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 beloved while they were slipping away, but now it's going to not just the loss of their beloved but the loss of otherness is where I, my oh, intuition on, was, oh was the loss of otherness on the way to the experience and experiencer being the same where there is no other yes which is no sort of like I. A, no I, no other. Again, they're equivalent in the Buddha's original teaching, see? So otherness and I-ness are equivalent, but everyone's focused on the erosion and the dissolution of the I and not on the otherness, you see? So in other words, it it's a, it's still in the category of terror of not being, but it's terror of other not being, yes. which is the same as you in one way, but it's yes. just sort of flipped in emphasis. Yes. Exactly. Wow, that's why. I mean, now that you say that, it makes perfect sense that that would change during the yin era. It it would. It, it it would do that because, as you said so beautifully, the 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 algorithm of relationality is yinic, and the algorithm of self self is uh, uh, um, yangic. Yeah. So um, it's being right before eyes unfolding. So I think it's going to evolve into otherness. And if you happen to have a beloved, that's probably will show up as the first marker for it, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's fine as you reported here. Uh, but um, I'm, my intuition says it's going to evolve into otherness 
and that'll be a different algorithm with the same result. Bringing up the terror of not being, not transcending duality, healing the terror of not being. Well, and then wouldn't it be, well, my brain's going so fast, it's hard to keep up. Um, wouldn't the, the algorithm of the young version, how do I say this? Let me back up. The uh, healing the fear of not, of other not being would predictably deliver someone to a more relational place than the previous one, right? Because yes, if you're yes. losing the concept of other, therefore that's going to cause you to experience other more closely, more intimately. Whereas the yogic version of it, healing the, uh, the terror of not being oneself, that would be self to self relational. And that's sort of the monk version. You don't need other people. You're just stay on your own. You're in your cell. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and here's, wow. isn't that wonderful? Yeah. yeah. And, and there's a, there's a, a, a juncture node with even Sartre's uh, uh, teaching um, where, where, I'm simplifying hugely because he's really hard to read sometimes for most people. Yeah. Um, that self, self is created by other, that our sense of being being and nothingness, our being without other is indefinable. And so he, even philosophically, he's talking about this otherness as being intrinsic to the self experience, right? It just, it stops at existential. It doesn't go to spiritual. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, it's really an interesting unfolding uh, dynamic and satsanga will address this directly. Um, and for some people going for the loss of otherness may be a much more um, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, productive path than the loss of I-ness. They're equivalent. Yeah, but it's a door more supported by the now. Yes, by the yin now. Yeah. Isn't that something? So yes, even identity can evolve in being open to new unfoldments, but the same assumptions still hold. So we're going to keep at this till the, we find an experience that completely dissonates with an assumption, and uh, then we'll see what, if identity can survive oh, that. That is the cutting edge of the cutting edge right there. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Well. All okay, right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to exhaust you, but I'm happy to exhaust you. Uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure being exhausted by you every time. Thank okay, you, Stace. Sir. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you, listeners. And tune in next time. Uh, we'll probably go on to sainthood next time. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll take a micro. We've hit we've, we've taken um, telescopic pictures of sainthood uh, over over the last 34 podcasts in some ways. But we're going to yeah. do a microscope just like we did here the felt reality, not just the structure of things. How do those structures in sainthood, how do we experience them? Mm -hmm. So it'll be a little next level for sainthood yeah. too. Okay, well, thank you. And thank you all for listening. And until next time, we wish you well on your journey. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.